Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed, and you may be seated. Yesterday, I was with Pastor, and we had gone over some things with him, and I asked him certain administrative questions, and of course questions according to scripture so that he can once again instruct me and give me a clear specific instruction principles which I could use and he said you tomorrow pass along my greetings and so I pass along the greetings of pastor usually Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The sermon topic is the right to set aside the former way of life of the old man in order to clothe their bodies into a new way of life. And for the fulfillment of this commandment, what kind of commandment? The commandment to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, which includes these three verbs. And for the fulfillment of these three faithful commands and fundamental actions, these are to set aside, to renew, and to to clothe. And answering these faithful questions, these three faithful questions, will determine whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us? What kind of salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed? What kind of seed? The seed which yields the deposit of our justification and the salvation that has been gifted to us, which in these three actions is necessary to place into circulation in the death of the Lord Jesus. Where? In the death of the Lord Jesus. Why? To receive it as a property 
in the format of the fruit of righteousness. And if this does not happen, then we will lose our justification that has been given to us in the format of a deposit forever. Therefore, when we are born again, and when we receive justification as a gift, in this justification is given a small seed and three verbs, set aside, renew, and clothe. And we place this seed in these three verbs and throughout our very short life, the Lord collaborating with us through the saved spirit to save our mortal soul and adopt our perishable bodies. Many will not be able to do this. Some will be able to do this. With regard to this, we have stopped to study the 17th Psalm of David, which opens the contents of a just prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Acknowledgement and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God had allowed David to love God and offer Him praise so he could be saved from his enemies. And for God, acknowledgement of the truth in His names in the heart of David gave him the basis to enable his capabilities that are contained in his eight names and battle against the enemies of David. And so, through these divine names, we demonstrate our love toward God and our knowledge, acknowledgement, and God returns to us in the fact that he begins to use these powers that are contained in all of his names. And so, Psalms 18, verses 1 through 4, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And so let us all together proclaim the eight names of God. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are the rock in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words, and may He perpetuate them in our heart. May He make us firm and immovable in hope. And so, in a certain format, as much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already examined in our prayer services, which we are having right now on Tuesday, Friday, and Sundays, our prayer services temporarily, until we hear specifically the person who gives us the seed. Therefore, what are we doing? We are remembering these truths so that we can use them in prayer. Therefore, we have prayer service on Tuesday, Friday and Sunday. And so in our prayer services, we have already studied the name, and we are studying the powers of our portion contained in the name of God's strength. We have already studied, and therefore we are going to look at the name of God, Rock, which, according to its inner components, properties, contains the unearthly firmness inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father, which is beyond comprehension to the abilities of man. I want to remind you that this kind of prayer in which David proclaims his portion in the names of God Most High is the strategic teaching 
that is meant to be a mantle for a king, a priest, and prophets who are anointed to reign over their bodies, which is their calling. And if a person is not anointed to rule over his calling in the dignity of his earthly body, then this prayer is not for him, and it will not bring him any benefit. And so again, we will be reminded, what kind of anointing are we talking about here? That in order to save our mortal soul, and in order to adopt our perishable bodies, I think no one, none of us doubt in this. If some of us doubt, I think you today in the mirror have seen something. You have seen the mark of death. Is this true or not? I have seen the mark of death. This tells us what? That someone has a lawful authority over my mortal soul and my decaying body. And this was a legal authority that was given to us by our father, Adam, through his disobedience. And the second Adam came, and through obedience, he gave us salvation in the format of a seed for us to spread it not only in our spirit, but through our spirit, we can spread it onto our soul and into our body. And for this, it is necessary for him to anoint our spirit so that it could be a legitimate, lawful authority who is going to represent heaven on earth. And so that through this lawful authority, like we have, like we see in countries where one illegal authority takes away, takes over another lawful one. This authorities are replaced, but there must be an order, and we must not. We must say, "Lord, why? Why is our nation facing this, and why do lawless come to come to power and take away lawful authorities?" Because in churches today, this happens, and as Pastor says, this is the democratic vote that has taken away theocracy from the church, the order of God. And that's why this is the disgusting authority of democracy that reveals itself in the structures of those countries in which we live or from which we have uh, left. And so the property and the lexicon of firmness, which we are going to talk about, has no relation whatsoever to the definitions of it with our own words. Because this firmness is a definition belonging solely to the property and nature of God. And so once again and again, talking about firmness, it is impossible to open up our dictionary and read what is firmness. Well, the dictionary says, come to the subject. Is it soft? It's soft. Well, that means it's soft. Touch it. Is it hard? That means it's hard. It's firm. But the Lord, when He looks at this, He looks, does this subject or does this person have His characteristic? And if he does, despite the fact that he is soft, God says he is very firm. Job, a wonderful example for us. Someone who had a decaying, leprous flesh, but who said, but I know that my Redeemer lives, and he in the last day will restore my flesh from the ashes. And I with my eyes, not with the eyes of another, but with my own eyes, I will see, I will see God in my flesh in my body. Take a look at what he placed in his body. He said, I in my body will see the resurrection of Christ. I in my body will see God, not just abstractly God in the clouds. He said, I with my own eyes, not with the eyes of another, with my own eyes. Not just there when we die, we are going to have this and this and this. No, but in my life, with my eyes, I will see God Yahweh in this decaying body. 
and what the lord had restored him the leprosy from which people quickly die from devil could not devil could not succeed in this why because he was firm despite the fact that his flesh was decaying into parts he placed the characteristics of god in his body and they are found in his word god placed it in the word the word of god is transformed and placed in our heart and in our lips and we through the proclamation of our lips we place this firmness in our body in scripture the definition of firmness in relation to the natural property of god most high is painted in such shades as firm is resistant strong healthy wise experienced rooted firmly established unshakable permanent inexhaustible long fearless impenetrable full of the power of the holy spirit these are the properties and the word rock in relation to the name of god most high finds itself in scripture in definitions such as rock, stone, heaviness, weight, and scales. This refers to a certain weight by which one can judge the price and dignity of the person or the object that is being weighed. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 12 through 15 Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure? weigh the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance who has directed the spirit of the lord or as his counselor has taught him with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding behold the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales look he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing take a look at the person or the the figure that is going to measure each of us thus in the powers of the name of god rock are the ability of the most high to judge or weigh and the scales of his justice every creature every creature he made to give retribution to everyone according to his weight and let us take a look at how this most high this most high who measures the aisles as if it's a little thing he goes to the king belteshazzar and he begins to weigh him Daniel chapter 5, verses 24 through 28. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. After he had weighed him on the scales, King Belteshazzar, God Most High, says, And now, what do I think of you? And he began to write this inscription. When he began to write, this king, everything began in him, began to shake and tremble. His knees grew weak, and he had called the Chaldeans and the wise men for, him to, for them to explain. And the prophet had explained it to him and this was what was written the inscription that was written mene mene tekel ufarsin this is the interpretation of each word mene means god has numbered your kingdom and finished it tekel you have been weighed in the balances and have found wanting paris your kingdom has been divided and given to the medes and the persians this is what could happen after god weighs his kings, his priests, and his prophets. Well, of course, this was just a king in this case, but and he was not a priest nor a prophet. According to this definition, to be clothed in the powers of the firmness of the Lord is to be clothed in the fear of the Lord, which is wisdom that comes from above, giving us the ability to judge or to weigh on the scales of the Lord, both ourselves as well as those whom we carry a responsibility over.
Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 13 through 16. Here is given to us before the Lord begins to weigh us. It's necessary for us to weigh ourselves. And we do not appraise ourselves, who am I, but to weigh that which does not coincide with Scripture, so that we can separate this from us. Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16. You shall not have in your bag, in your wallet, differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. We know that is not just unpleasing, but abominable. It is simply unpleasing for us to look at this who has differing weights. If we like someone, we might say 2 plus 2 is 5 and so forth. We give him an incorrect appraisal. Sometimes you come to a sister, do you know this other sister? No, I don't know her. And then another person tells me, these are sisters. They have a conflict with one another. For all who who practice unrighteously are, are an abomination to the Lord. The scales or the measuring bowls of the Most High in the name of God, Rock, is the absolute authority and ability of the Most High to judge and weigh the creation made by Him, that each one weighed on the scales of righteousness receives his retribution in correlation to his weight. The weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High on the foundation of which He judges the creation made by Him on the measuring bowls of righteousness. And therefore, to have the authority of the Most High contained in His name, Rock, is to have the authority to judge both ourselves and those who are under our responsibility within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Or, to weigh both the words and actions on the scales of justice of the Most High and the words and actions of people who are under our responsibility. And to learn and put on the unearthly property of firmness contained in the name of God, Most High Rock, which satisfies our hunger and thirst and brings us to power over our vocation, we will need to consider four classic questions. The first is, what is the essence of firmness that is enclosed in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? Second, what purpose in our prayers is the property of firmness called to fulfill, which is clothed in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? Third, what price is necessary to pay in order to be clothed in the property of firmness that is contained in the firmness of the name of God Most High? And fourth, by which result should we judge that we truly have the dignity of firmness contained in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? And we have noted that all of the names of God Most High are dissolved in one another because, again, they're dissolved in one another, they find their expression in one another, they strengthen one another, and identify the authenticity of one another. And so in this prayer of David, the eight names of God Most High are presented in a kind of order in which each of the names is the expression of the previous name, or rather, discovers itself in the previous name. And 
And so in a certain format, based on the measure of our faith, we have already studied the first question in our prayer services, what is firmness according to its essence contained in the powers of the firmness of the name of God Most High, and we have stopped to study the second question. What purpose in our prayers is the property of firmness called to fulfill, which is clothed in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? What is the purpose? Why do we need firmness? the firmness of the name of God Most High. And we have already covered several, three of these purposes. And let's read them quickly and quickly remember them. And then we will move on and look at the other components. And so the first property or purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to ground us in God's love in order to bring us to the fulfillment of the will of God. Ephesians 3, 18-19, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, we're talking about, again, firmness, we're cooperating with firmness, being rooted and grounded, affirmed in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we are affirmed in love, we affirm ourselves in love for what? So that we can be filled with all the fullness of the love of God. And what kind of love? Or what kind of fullness? To have all of the characteristics of God, God most high, God omnipresent, God all-seeing, God all-knowing. Well, Lord, it is impossible. It is possible. How? Scripture says, and Pastor had shown us, that you, Lord, have magnified your word above all your name and he took his word and he placed it over himself and he says if you do the same and if you magnify my word above all name then all of my names including omnipresent all-knowing all-seeing all of them will serve the name of God word the name Yahweh the name of Jesus Christ therefore when we in the temple of our body magnify the word of God when we accept this word of God when we ponder upon it when we renew our thinking and when we proclaim it we demonstrate that Lord we have magnified then scripture says that we will be filled with all the fullness of God but to try to see through a person sometimes that people comes up and says well tell me what you think what you see in me and I say you know I'm a Christian there is the word of God and let's take a look at what the Word of God tells, speaks about me and you. Let us magnify the Word of God so that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. And let's stop looking at one another and trying to see one another. People say, oh, I see this person, or I see right through him. Really? How? Only God can do this. All that is, All that we can do is magnify His Word, His commandments, and through these commandments, not see through a person, but to see ourselves in these commandments. And this was the first purpose. We run to the firmness of God when we are filled with all the fullness, and when we are filled with all the fullness, which means that we magnify the word of God above all His name, and all the names of God are going to serve the name of God word. The second purpose of the name of God firmness is called to endow with its properties our fortress in God. There where we run our fortress, it also must have this firmness. Psalm 71, 3 Be my strong fortress, my strong fortress, to which I may resort continually. 
You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my refuge. When can the Lord be my rock and my strength? When the Lord becomes a firm fortress for me. Firm fortress. And in order to be a firm fortress, we need to destroy in ourselves the place of lies in us. God can never become a a fortress and a firm refuge in us and he will never be able to find himself in us. As is written Isaiah chapter 28, we have uh, the refuge of the old man with his lies and the fortress. This old man has certain holes and scripture says that this is the refuge of lies for the old man where he runs to in our soul in order to keep his life and scripture says it is necessary for us to fill these holes with the proclamation and to cast hail because when we destroy the refuge of lies in us in the place of hiding for the old man then we can say lord you are my fortress and when does this happen when you speak with a person and he says you know you you didn't understand me correctly i said i understood you correctly you don't need to hide behind your old man. People say, I'm not as bad as you think I am. I said, I think very well of you, but I think very lowly of what you have done. Why do you hide your old man? Separate from your old man. Why hide him in holes? Let us drown all of these holes and and send the hail upon this place of refuge of lies. So it's very dangerous when people say to the apostle, you haven't understood me correctly. We need to drown all of these refuge of lies in the place of the hiding places with the hail of God. And this was the second purpose. Third, the purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to discover itself in our ability to stand fast in the liberty by which Christ made us free and to not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage bondage of the old man. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And again, we had read from these notes what is to stand in liberty. And of course, this is to not be under a yoke of bondage. But how do people understand liberty today? For people, liberty today, as we know, is a liberty from complexes. And when a person behaves outrageously in the presence of people when i am in the presence of people i am i look at what is the culture of these people and if they behave strictly if they jump i am not going to jump and scream i'm not going to follow this culture because this culture in the house of god resists and it is against the word of god and people say oh you have complexes i don't have any complexes i have the liberty of christ and the liberty of christ is not the liberty from complexes and to behave outrageously in the church the liberty of christ is a discipline the discipline that expresses itself in the fear of the lord in this discipline of the liberty of christ must be present when we sing songs when we pray and when we preach and when this discipline is present then this means that we are free in Christ because we have arrived from different cultures we might behave differently but take a look at how quietly we are sitting now and with what respect we are listening to the Word of God why because we have the liberty of Christ when we drive along the freeway or roads that have no no limits we can go any speed we want but when we see in front of us a signal be careful 25 miles an hour we 
Don't know why. Perhaps school or some kind of hospital is nearby where the speed limit must be lower. Then we go slower. Why? Because I completely submit myself to the law of God. Why? Because I am free in Christ Jesus. And my freedom and liberty is expressed from the yoke of the bondage of sin. And in order to be free, there are several components of what is necessary to do to arrive to this liberty, specifically to this discipline. First, it is necessary to not have any kind of partaking to sin. So a person who is free in Christ is a person who is not partaking to sin. It is a person to confess to sin. Scripture says that if we confess ourselves, uh, confess ourselves, then He, being faithful and true, will forgive us our sins. He will forgive us our sins when, when we proclaim, or rather, when we confess our sins. And He will free us from all kinds of unrighteousness, and He will cleanse us. But it is necessary for us to confess our sins. Our non-partaking to sin is to confess sins. People say, well, I thought pastor said that we don't need to confess our sins. It depends on what kinds of sins. And we don't need to pass it along to one another. But pastor told me, well, no, don't pass to another. If you don't understand something, go to the leader of your cell group. If the leader of your cell group doesn't understand, go to one of the helpers of pastor. If one of the helpers of pastor and the leader, they don't understand, we will come to the apostle. But we must confess our sins because God, being righteous, he will forgive us when we confess our sins in the order of God. When I say, read your list of sins okay very quickly a person comes up and says i called my brother an idiot i said where's your brother well he's he's running along the altar and i said you know you've given him a compliment this is not sin and this shouldn't be something that you need to confess he says okay i have another and he lowers his eyes and i said okay well now here be more detailed why were, why are there tears in your eyes and why did you lower your eyes? You know what you need to, when you need to confess of. When you called your brother an idiot, you looked me in the eyes, but when you said, I have another one, and you lowered your eyes and your eyes were filled with tears, you know your list. Yes, I know. Okay. A person confesses his sins. He did a specific sin. He comes in a week, I again have done the same sin. And now pastor says, you know, you need to have a fast. I will hold you in, uphold you in prayer, but take a fast for 40 days. Don't use, don't do this sin. Pay this price and begin to fight with sin. Of course, he's going to confess sins, but when a person comes right after again and again and again, it's necessary for him to fast. And during fast, be battle and fight with sin. And don't come to me. And people say, oh, pastor said, you don't need to go and confess it again. No, you must battle. First, I confess it. Again, do a second one. I come to pastor and then I say, okay, all right, let's do a fast. Let us fight together. I will uphold you in prayer and you must fight. And while you fight, don't come to me again. And a person comes after 40 days. Praise God, there has been victory. Praise God. But if again this person says, well, I don't need to come up and confess during this battle, but in order to begin this battle, a person must uncover his sin and come to the gates of heaven and confess his sins. If he has once again sins, he comes and says, I again have made this very mistake. And we, together with the priest, begin to proclaim. And a person is then in fast from this sin. And despite the fact that he may fall, and when there is victory that does come, we hope in a certain amount of time a person comes and confesses his complete victory from sin we must confess of our sins and there is no understanding that we should not 
if we at home have said forgive me i thank you for justification this justification will work only when i together with the apostle or with his helper in this case this is me my your faithful servant on sunday will pray i am justified in christ jesus but no one has a right to justify themselves at home this justification works when we come here and when we repent here but you come out when i sit i sit on the first row and i come out to repentance every single every single service i every single time on the first row sit with my my here with the children come out and repent This is for us to understand this this thought. And please, if you haven't understand something correctly, never pass along to one another what you haven't understood. You can ask the leader, and the leader can then ask the helper of pastor. And then if there is no understanding, then to go and we can ask our apostle. And so talking about the liberty of Christ, it is necessary to not be shaken in unfaith. Scripture says that Abraham was not shaken with unbelief, but he was in the liberty of Christ. And this comes from the word of truth. We ought to be born of the word of truth in order for us to be freed in Christ Jesus, for us to have the liberty of Christ. And how do we define, have we been born from the word of truth or not? Many people with whom we were and with whom we served, with whom we prayed, they are not found among us. But given that you are found there where the truth is preached, the word of God, you are found in this order, this means that you, in fact, have been born again. And you, in fact, have been born from the word of truth. Well, people say, well, today this person is in sin. You know, he is found in this place. He hears the word of God. He looks into this word. He prays. He confesses his sins. He is fighting. This person is born again. Birth from above is defined when a person correctly relates towards the truth because to be born again is to be born from the seed of the word of truth. And if people say that they are born again, but they stumble at, against the truth, then they were not born from the seed of the word of truth. So who knows what they were born of? Born from the seed of the word of truth is a correct relationship toward the truth. Also, to stand in the liberty of Christ is to stand watch of the commandments of the Lord. This is to withhold the pressure of hell. And we know, how do we apply pressure on hell? This is to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God and to call the non-existent power of resurrection as existent. So we withhold and then we demonstrate or apply this pressure on death. And all of this makes us firm in our calling and our election. Let us pass on to the fourth purpose and we will look at it in greater detail the fourth purpose of the firmness of god that abides in our heart is called to make our bow strong against the archers that are bitter against us that hate us and have shot at us so that in the name of joseph we receive fateful blessings that exceed the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills genesis chapter 49 verses 22 through 26 Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him, but his bow remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is a shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. 
blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessing of your father, have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. Thanks to the strength of his bow, Joseph could turn the hearts of those archers who shot against him in order to give God the basis to lay unique and rare blessings on the head of Joseph. And so let's talk about Joseph. The name Joseph means God shall add. Now, the verb shall add, which explains, has two meanings. We are talking about how to have firmness, which Joseph had. Scripture said that he had a firm bow, and for this it is necessary to be Joseph. God shall add is the meaning of his name. Therefore, God shall add, which explains the meaning of our lot and our fate in the name Joseph in Hebrew means combine or unite into one whole with something or someone. God unites or combines into one whole with himself only those saints who are at fruitful bow and have demonstrated the firmness of their bow in the fruit of their spirit. So the Lord unites himself with he, with these people. John 17, verses 21 through 24. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have set me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Here the Lord Jesus shows that he is united with the Father, and he wants all to be united in Jesus into one whole for us to demonstrate the name and quality of Joseph. And so the second meaning of the name shall add, over which God stands in the name of Joseph, means will add a part to the lot or will expand, increase the lot of the inheritance. Matthew chapter 25, verses 24 through 30. Let us take a look at how the Lord adds, or rather expands. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has talent talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He who has an ear, let him hear. Here, we see that he had lost. He had lost what the, Lord, the servant 
gave or the master gave him because this was necessary to place into circulation and he wanted to receive everything as a gift he said you are evil lord who gave it to me and said to place it in circulation when i found out the price that i need to die to my nation and i need to die to my desires you are an evil god take take your salvation back and he said gladly and he will take this salvation from this person and says throw this person this unprofitable servant who did not want to place the salvation into circulation and to affirm it in the lord jesus throw him in the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and so the reason why joseph inherited the lot that is contained in his name is contained in the phrase but his bow remained in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty god of jacob before inheriting our portion in the name the firmness of the bow of joseph was tested and weighed on the scales of justice so the lord will weigh our and measure our firmness let us take a look at how god measured joseph god had led him through afflictions and tribulations to see if there was firmness in him psalms 105 verses 16 through 22 Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. The image of the firmness of the bow from which Joseph hit the target that was set for him by God and yielded the lot of his inheritance in God was the firmness of the faith of God that abided in his heart and his heart abiding in the faith of God so what is the firmness of the bow this is faith or hope or rather the faith teaching that is found in our heart and the arrows with which Joseph hit the target that was placed for him by God were the words of Joseph that proclaimed the faith of God that abided in his heart and this faith abided in his heart thanks to the fact that he called the non-existent as existent the strength of joseph's bow discovered itself in the firmness of his spirit which was thanks to the faith of god that abided in his heart isaiah 26 3 4 you will keep him in perfect firmness whose spirit is stayed on you because he trusts in you trust in the lord forever for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Everlasting strength is our Lord, and he who is firm in spirit is he who is in the name of God, Rock. And how is this name defined? Under the firmness of the bow. The firmness of the bow is hope, is the faith teaching that is in the heart. And the arrows are our proclamations. So the bow is the faith teaching, and the arrows is the proclamation of the faith that we release. And for Joseph, this was very firm and very strong and he with his proclamations had hit his target and through this god defines the firmness of the spirit the firmness of the spirit when we have the word of god in our heart and we can with our meek lips proclaim the faith of god he has a firm bow the conditions that is necessary for accepting the faith of God in our heart as a strong bow called to make the spirit of Joseph firm in the phrase Joseph is a fruitful bow a fruitful bow by a well his branches run over the wall 
This is where we receive a firm, uh, firm arrow, this firm bow, this faith of God in our heart. The first part of the phrase, a fruitful bow by a well, points to the fact that in order to become a fruitful bow, Joseph had placed himself near the source of water, which is the truth of the Word of God that is placed in the heart and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in the heart. Take a look at where this bow is born. It is bow at the source. He placed himself at the source of the water and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth. And the branches that run over the wall points to the fact that Joseph had the union of the dignities Thumim and Durim in his heart, which represent the perfection of the wisdom of God. And so first, this event has a direct relation to what will happen in the members of our body in which Joseph represents the new man born from the seed of the word of truth. Whereas the image of his ten brothers who had contempt against him represent the law of Moses, the ten brothers that hated Moses, this is the law of Moses that discovers reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works in the body of a person that has been saved. So we are constantly going to have a a conflict between the brothers. Ten of those brothers are going to despise one Joseph, and Benjamin is going to love, but the others will hate. Because until in our body there is the power of death, our ten patriarchs will conflict with Joseph. Romans 7, 22-25 For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And second, this event is an image of what will happen in our relationships with carnal saints who do not have the Spirit of God and resist all that comes from the Spirit of God. So these conflicts, they also happen not just inside, but also happen in the church. There is also a category of people that despise Joseph, but we must see ourselves in this Joseph. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14-16 through 16, But the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We must understand that the image of archers, who were bitter against Joseph and shot at him in the face of the ten sons of his father, were not the brothers of Joseph through his mother. All of these were the sons of his father because his father had two wives and there were two servants as well. And all of those who had a conflict were the sons of the mother, but their father was one. And therefore the archers is an image of our soul, of our soul that has not yet died to the law with the law, and therefore it is under the watch of the law and resists our spirit. This is found in us. These archers are found in us. This is our soul that 
will shoot at our spirit and this will happen until there is a limit to our old man our soul is going to try to destroy joseph the ministry of justification second archers are an image of carnal saints who are under the watch of the law of moses and resist our respect toward god the reason why the ten brothers of joseph hated him and fought with him was their envy which occurred because their father jacob first loved rachel joseph's mother more than their mother leah and he loved joseph more than his other sons it is significant that the name rachel who was joseph's favorite wife means a sheep that has given birth to twins or two lambs which hint at rachel's two sons joseph and benjamin whereas the name of jacob's life leah means antelope or wild cow the image of both wives of jacob are an image of our soul but only in its various states so rachel and leah are both one and the same soul but are found in different states and so leah represents the state of the soul that has not yet died to the law with the law and rachel represents the state of the soul that died to the law with the law the difference between a sheep and wild cow was that according to the law despite the fact that both of these animals were clean and could be eaten as food a sheep could be brought to god as a sacrifice whereas bringing an antelope this was one of the meanings of leah's name as well antelope uh, bringing an antelope to god was forbidden as a sacrifice and so the image of the ten brothers of joseph again we saw in leah and rachel the state of our soul the state when it has endured the state of death or when it did not endure the state of death and now the image of the ten brothers of joseph the sons of leah which are the sons of his father but are not the sons of rachel his mother is the fruit of leah in the image of the law that represents the ministry of condemnation that discovers sin and gives power to sin so here the sons is the ministry of condemnation Whereas the image of the two sons of Rachel, this, this is the soul that has gone through death, is the fruit of Rachel that represents the image of the ministry of justification in which God, in Christ, reconciled the world to himself by not imputing to the people their transgressions and gave us the world of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This was a unique fourth purpose where for us, Joseph was the firmness of his bow. We saw where this bow is formed and how, how it can be used to conduct victory. And so the fifth purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to give a person the right to enter the city of the mighty and bring down the trusted stronghold that they trusted in. Proverbs 21, 22. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. 
Here, firmness tells us that we not only enter the whole, bring down the trusted stronghold, but also enter the city of the mighty. Who are these mighty in our essence? With which we must apply tactic against the trusted stronghold. The mighty city built into the trusted stronghold that they trust in should be viewed as the body of a person in which the power of death is built in the face of our old man. So this is the city of the mighty. This is our body in which there is the power of death. For the old man, this is a city which he is hold, hold, holding on to. The image of the mighty who trust in the power of death in the body of a person is the power of reigning sin in the face of our old man with his works, which he received when discovering the law of Moses, who represents the ministry of condemnation. 1 Corinthians 15.56 The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Under the image of a wise person, who enters the city and brings down the trusted stronghold that inhabits that the inhabitants of the city trusted in should be viewed in our body as a stronger person in the face of our new man who exceeded in righteousness in the ministry of justification. So we see a stronger. He is stronger than the strong. This is the new man who has grown or the ministry of justification which he carries in himself. And he is called to lead into the city of the mighty and to destroy the stronghold, that power of death that they had relied on. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. For the ministry of condemnation had a glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. From the prophet Isaiah, the stronger one, standing in the ministry of justification, proclaims that he who is justified by him will be given glorified garments and will be called trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Christ's sermon about the kingdom of heaven in this given pro prophecy is comprised of two components. This is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the second is to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord from the day of vengeance of our God means to discredit the ministry of justification and in doing so, challenge the holiness of God and clothe oneself in perdition. To proclaim the acceptable year apart from the day of vengeance, it has to go together. So the Lord is going to have vengeance on His enemies, both in our essence in the face of the old man, as well as in the church. He will provide vengeance to the enemies. And the weapon of the stronger person in the face of our new man, who pounces on the mighty in the face of our old man and overcomes him in our body, is the weapon in the dignity of the law of Moses, which he trusts in, and relies on. 
This is an illustration for us how how the new man, or rather our spirit, pounces on the old man. Back in time, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, which he relied on, was taken by David. And with the same sword that Goliath relied on, David cut off his head. David is an image of the new man in our mortal body, and the image of Goliath the Philistine is an image of the old man, over which stand the organized powers of darkness. To cut off the head of Goliath the Philistine is to enter into the city of the mighty and with the weapon of the law of Moses, which was the sword of Goliath, to destroy the power of death in our body in order to give God the basis to build in our house a firm dwelling in the dignity of the power of life. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. With the law to die to the law is to be crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. Here, Apostle tells us that with the law of Moses, we don't receive justification. The law of Moses is given to destroy Goliath. But the Jews didn't understand this. And they tried to fulfill the law of Moses and prove to God that without it, they could be like him. The law of Moses was called to discover sin, to discover Goliath, and to kill him but not for us to try to fulfill the law of Moses. Because there is no justification from the law. The law, the justification comes from the law of grace, but the law of Moses is needed for us, for those who are found under grace, because there is no other sword to, to take off the head of the old man. When a person tries to justify himself before God with his works, in doing so, he rejects the grace of God and gives preference to the old man, over which stand the organized powers of death. The result of this is perdition. If a person accepts justification as a gift of grace, the redemption in Christ Jesus, placing hope in who God is for him in Christ Jesus and what God has done for him in Christ Jesus, then in doing so, he gives God the basis to build his body into a firm dwelling. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38, Then I shall be, if you hate all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. The basis that a person gives God for the building of his body into a firm dwelling is comprised of the fulfillment of a set of conditions. These are to keep all the commandments of the Lord, to walk in his ways, and this is to do what is right in his sight and to keep all his statutes. Why do we do this? Not in order to be justified, but in order to affirm ourselves in righteousness. Israel had tried to fulfill the commandments and to walk before God in order to justify themselves before God. But we do this after we 
condemned with the law the old man, and then we begin to observe his commandments, walk along his ways, and be pleasing before his eyes, so that we can practice the works of righteousness, and the day of vengeance can occur. Keeping the commandments of the Lord is comprised of dying to our nation, the house of our Father, and to our corrupt desires, all whilst considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the non-existent as existent. So, here for us is the sword of Goliath. You will say, this is the word of God. Again, I will show you. Here is the large soul that Goliath has. Goliath does not use it. He uses this part. And when a person who is born again, he is given the word of God, he says, accept the book of life, the book of life. Okay, let us open it and read the Old Testament, the New Testament. Well, if you can tell me, what shall I read? Let's read the New Testament. You won't understand anything in the Old Testament anyways. Well, then why are there two contracts and one book? We don't know. How do you not know? The New Testament is one, one third of it. It makes a contract with a new man, our spirit, when we are born from what? From the word of truth. It is made and salvation is given to us in the format of a seed. The seed that if it is not placed into circulation will not bring the fruit of righteousness and the seed will be lost and our spirit with its soul and its body will go to hell. And this weapon of Goliath, this is the Old Testament, the Old Testament that discovers the old man. And we must understand the key word that he discovers the old man in order for us to kill the old man, to cut off his head. But the old man doesn't want to us to know this. He, he holds this sword and he waves it around our nose and says, Who you is out of you, Israel, is strong. I know what your thoughts are. Did your Christ not say that if you your thoughts are like this, you're an adulterer? I know who you are. Come out and I will reveal who you are. God's law is against you. God is against you. The Old Testament against the old man. And he has two-thirds. Why? Because the old man discovers himself in our deadly soul and discovers himself in our decaying body. On the side of the New Testament, there's on the side of the Old Testament, there are two voices. On our side, the Spirit is one voice. We might have a president in the States, but if the lower cabinets, the higher and lower cabinets, are Democrats, then you might have a president that is Republican but they will cut off all his ideas. Now it is necessary for us to begin to place everything on our side. It's necessary to take out the old man and to overcome the higher cabinet and the lower cabinet. The spirit does not save the body. First, it needs to save the higher cabinet. He needs to renew with the teaching, the spirit of our mind, our thinking, our soul. And then the soul then goes onto the side of our spirit. Here, the old man begins to panic. He says, what is this? Two voices against one. Now, a person in this kind of state, if he dies, he says, Lord, I thank you. I think that you have adopted my body in the resurrection of Christ. And when the time for rapture comes, this person will rise. And we live in a kind of time where we can also overcome this and adopt this part. And we, through our proclamations, cut off his head and the higher and lower cabinet we place 
under the King and President Jesus Christ, our new man. And then this book becomes the book of life. When a person is born again, he has said, he has said this is the book of life. This is the book that devil in the face of the old man is going to use to destroy you with. But you remember, but the old testament is given for us to say lord i woe to me who will deliver me from this decaying body he says take this word of god and die how do i die i have been crucified with christ i have been crucified with christ christ did not die according to grace he died according to the law upon him was poured out the anger of the law of moses and now it is necessary for us to do the following. We, in the death of the Lord Jesus, and baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire, when we place ourselves in this, we call upon this anger, not on ourselves, not on us. This is Christ. Christ that had suffered with the spirit, soul, and body. We call all of this anger only one person, the old man. That's it. And for this, it is necessary to define his coordinates. So that you say, I have just indicated coordinates and pressed the button. An atomic bomb is headed towards your country, and when it comes, you will say, you know, brothers and sisters, you have a he is going upon you and your household and your children. But you have a wheel, or rather a remote, you can give him different coordinates. Do you have different coordinates so that we can redirect this bomb? What old man? I don't see him in here. I have been born among Christians. I am. Uh, I have. I don't. I haven't allowed myself to do what they do. Do you have other coordinates, please? Five minutes are remaining. Yes, I do. Woe to me! Who would deliver me from this decaying body, Lord? I desire to do good, but I do not. Cannot do it. I want to do good, but I do evil. If I want to do good and I cannot do it, but I do evil. This means it is not me who does this, but the sin that lives in me. Lord, deliver me from the old man. And this rocket then changes and redirects its coordinates and then heads towards what? The old man. But it is necessary for us to outline these coordinates. It is necessary to, uh, at some point, to say, Lord, I die to my nation, household, corrupt desires, to the vain life, I die to my corrupt lusts. And then we must affirm this with our life, verify it with our life, because that which we proclaim, then the tests will come when lies are going to be in my house and I have the opportunity to hide myself in the refuge of lies, or will I allow the Word of God to be able to uncover what is in me, to uncover myself and say, Lord, I affirm myself, I have died to my nation, I have died to my corrupt de desires have died to my nation and therefore we have uh, Ukrainians, Russians, Germans here and those that are Hispanic we have many different nationalities here and take a look we are sitting here we love one another this means what? because we have appointed correct coordinates we have appointed the correct coordinates we don't have enmity I've heard that in some churches there are fights there are fights between the sisters between the brothers it goes to physical fighting you are for whom, they say. We are for Christ. We are for Christ. And in the death of the Lord Jesus, we die to our nation so that then we can have the authority to play for our nation. We die to our household so that then we can represent and take the guilt of our household upon ourselves. And we die to our own desires so that we can represent the interests of God in ourselves. That is why and for whom we exist. 
You know, we still have some time, but we won't rush. We still have an opportunity in the future to look at the rest of the points. Therefore, right now, we will pray and we call all upon this place who want to destroy the bonds of dependence of sin, on fear, depression, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance, to destroy the bonds of illnesses and to proclaim the faith of their heart and that the Lord has delivered me, He has saved me, He has justified me. We will do this together with you. And if you have repented at home and justified yourselves at home, please come out here. This justification will work only in the church. If you will leave your repentance only at home, then may the Lord keep you. For the day of vengeance is near, and Yahweh will soon reveal His glory. Let us pray, and may you be blessed in your prayers. I will pray with our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you He is not against you He has loved you with an eternal love He has given us the work of His redemption He has stood before us and our enemies in order to protect us and in order to lift us up to His level your eyes closed this is an element of the mystery room that you are in your hands raised to the heavens this is a sign that our hands are without anger and doubt please pray along with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come before you upon this holy place in the congregation of your holy people I uncover my heart and I proclaim my hatred towards sin and lust I despise them I reject them I come to you with my illnesses with my fears with my wounded honor 
I ask you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, protect me by the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins and transgressions are forgiven to you in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He come down upon you with His holy countenance and have mercy upon you. May He give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands near you, but not draw near you. May all the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May with the noise out of your body be cast out the power of death. May in its place be raised the power of resurrection. May all of this come upon you and upon all your descendants in the name of Jesus Christ. And may all the people say, Amen. And we will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Let us love and cherish that word. Let us pray for one another. Let us always remember one another in prayer. And let us thank God for that word that we have received from our pastor. Pray for his soon restoration. And I pass along my greetings to pa- your greetings to pastor. And he says, soon I will be here. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.